0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast this week. Last Sunday, we dove into the conversation of identity and talking about how we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, through Jesus. And so it's seeing ourselves the way Jesus saw himself and allowing his life to be lived through us. It's a beautiful, beautiful conversation that we had and I hope that it challenges and 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 presses on your heart to want to become more like jesus and yeah father i just pray that over every person listening to this podcast right now holy spirit that you would make each and every person that listens to this that you would make them more like jesus we thank you for it and we receive it this morning in jesus name god bless you enjoy the podcast Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. Four people over here are awake. Good morning, everyone. All right. Good, good, good. Well, hey, I feel, I just feel in my spirit that we all kind of need to wake up a little bit. So can we all stand? Let's all stand and get ready just for what Jesus wants to do this morning. Yeah, if you want to lay down something. Um, Let's all just position our hearts. Let's just get ready for what Jesus wants to do. Who came here for Jesus this morning? Yeah, it'll be good. I came for Jesus, and uh, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about, so it'll be good. But um, yeah, I don't say that to concern you. If you're used to really, really to the wire service prep and, and flow and that kind of stuff, well, this is what that doesn't look like. So I hope it'll, it'll be good. But yeah, let's, all, let's just close our eyes, just center your, uh, center your affection, center your, um, your attention on him. And we're just gonna enter in this morning and we're gonna be so intentional with Jesus. We're gonna be so intentional with his time because this is his time and you don't wanna waste his time. Just like you don't wanna waste the time of a very successful person when you go and you meet with them and you go and you want to draw on their wisdom and on their knowledge. Guys, we have the creator of the universe here with us this morning. And so we need to focus our attention, focus our love, our affection on him because this is his time and we're gonna do what he wants us to do. We're gonna flow how he wants us to flow. And so Jesus, we just... Simply ask, come. We just ask that you would come in this room, that you would flow in this room, that your precious Holy Spirit would have the freedom to just dance among us this morning, that your precious Holy Spirit would have the permission to touch our hearts. I pray that there would not be a heart in this place that is restricted him, but that all hearts would be open and willing to receive what God has for them. So Father, we choose not just to be another church, but I thank you, Lord, for the word that went forth from a very powerful woman that said we are going to be that church, not just another church. So Father, for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in us. For the sake of our co-workers this next week, burn like a fire in us. For the sake of our city, burn like a fire in us, God. Let us be ready in season and out of season, ready to say yes at a moment's notice. But I thank you, Lord, that this goes far beyond Sunday mornings. And we thank you for it. And now can we just thank him? Just thank him. Just thank the Lord in your own way. Just each and every one of you, just thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Just thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. We love you. We love you, Jesus. You're so worthy. You're so beautiful. Praise God. Do you believe it this morning? You can be seated. (laughs) This isn't mass. It's totally fine. You can talk back. It's it's good. It's good for the soul. Not because I need to hear it, because you need to hear yourself agreeing. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's like the pastor wants you to say it because it like gives them more, uh, like drive that home. I feel like it's more for your sake because it's like when we sing, when we worship, right? You, it, it, We do it here and it's happened at other places too when you sing the same thing over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But it's like every time you're singing it, it's becoming more real to you, right? Because my... My dad and I were talking about this this morning. We're, we're, We're a spirit. This is just very core foundation Christianity. You're a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Your spirit is what enables you to live, all right? So from the spirit, my spirit man believes that anything is possible with God. And it even says in the word that you cannot say but by the Spirit that Jesus is Lord. So God's already pulling us into this separate mentality that is saying it's not based on physical knowledge, physical application. It's based on the Spirit that overflows into the physical. It manifests in the Spirit and it manifests in the physical. See, my spirit man believes that healing is for today. My spirit man believes that God can do it. But sometimes I have to say that over and over and over again so that my flesh, my my physical body comes up to where my spirit is. And therefore now I'm starting to live more in the spirit than in the flesh. Because some people, it's like, the only way I know how to gauge it is like, you, you've got, you've got, you know, you've got a scale, thank you. <laughs> you got scales. And so some people, their spirit man is down here and their flesh is up here, right? The flesh people are the ones that are like, man, I like I'd love to be to church on Sunday morning, but I was I was so busy the night before and I woke up exhausted and and I just I I just I just couldn't come. Not to knock you or anything, but <laughs> I was like the, the best place to be is in the presence of the Lord. The best place to be is in the presence of the Lord. And there are some people that they've allowed the scales to go so far one way to where they see someone who is on fire for God. And they're like, man, I just couldn't imagine spending two hours with Jesus. I just couldn't imagine that. But I, it's because of what you spend time with is what you hunger for. And that's what we're all about here at Vision is spending time with Jesus because we want to be hungry for Jesus. Being hungry for Jesus, it's the one thing in the world that you don't wait to have an appetite for it. If you wait to have an appetite for it, it'll never come. But if you step in and you say, you know what? I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good as you continue to eat, as you continue to feed, all of a sudden you'll look back and you're like, man, three hours has gone by and I've just been with him. Like I've been lost in it. I've totally been enamored by him. It's because that's what love looks like. That's what intentionality looks like. And so it's growing to this place of hunger, of tipping the scales the opposite way and saying, you know what, instead of And I had to do it this last week because my scales were starting to get a little uneven there in the realm of the flesh and the spirit. My flesh is like, man, I'd really like to just sit on the bed, eat Tostitos, and, you know, just (laughs) watch YouTube. But my spirit, man, Jesus is like, no, like, come and spend time with me come and spend time with me. And so it's whatever you're feeding, that'll be the loudest voice. You agree with that? Do you believe that? Okay, I just felt like I needed to share that this morning. But I I just feel heavily in my spirit that the Lord wants us to continue the topic just for what we've already been going through the last couple weeks, which is honor. We've been talking about honor and stewarding the presence of Jesus, being with Jesus, being intentional with him. And so this is something that I think is so, so important, but it starts, honor cannot, you, you, you cannot know how to truly honor someone if you do not fully value that person. So honor goes with value, right? I mean, you just look out in the world today, right? People don't honor their parents. Why? Because they don't value their parents. They see them as, uh, uh, a know-all-the-time person, somebody who wants to hinder me from living my best life, someone who doesn't understand what it's like. But in reality, if we just valued the people and we honored them, I guarantee you, you'd see a different side of that person. There's some people we're only seeing one side of them because there's a lack of honor, there's a lack of value, there's a lack of being, in, being um, whatever the word is, <laughs> intentional with those people. And so something that I notice about Jesus is he I just feel like he's really telling us this morning don't incorporate me into your life. To incorporate Jesus is to look at what you're already doing and say, okay, how can I fit Jesus in here? How can I squeeze him in? Let's see, I've got I've got this much time on this day, so Jesus, you have I'll give you this time on Tuesday. Jesus, I'll give you this time on Saturday right after lunch, and I'll do this. And it's like they try to squeeze Jesus into the little spots that they have available in their schedule. That's not how Jesus desired us to live with him at all. Jesus said, no, I'm I'm to be your everything. Jesus never said anything that was like, you just take part of me and and that'll be enough. Jesus said, no, like, I am the bread and the wine. You eat of me and you drink from me. Jesus is saying, I'm your life source, right? There's nothing partial when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It means any moment you separate yourself from the vine, you're dying. And so that's what I see that's important for us as believers to truly walk in, is to not incorporate Jesus Into what we do but to make Jesus the very reason why we do it and that's what I think dad has really been touching on very well is it's not about incorporating him it's about honoring him and you honor him when you set him up above everything else and you say you're all I see you're all I want you're all I hunger for because we do this we do this with people in society all the time we give them our attention we give them our focus if 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 uh, Who's the, who's the owner of Amazon? What's his name? Jeff Bezos. Yeah. If you walk through those doors right now, I'm sure every single one of you would get in line to ask him questions about financial advice, being an entrepreneur, and how to be successful in life. Am I wrong? Probably not. Because I'd be one of those people too. I'd be like, dude, you just went to space. Like, how'd you get there? You know? And so if we'd be willing to do that, for Jeff Bezos or a Tim Cook from Apple or go back in history and talk to any of these amazing figures. Why wouldn't we be willing to do that now with Jesus, who you can actually have a conversation with? He's not separated from us. He's closer than he's ever been. He's the answer. He's the hope of the world. And he lives right here, wanting to manifest himself through us. And so it's so important that we don't get it twisted, that we don't get our minds mixed up in these other things of realizing like, okay, like Jesus, you're there and that's amazing. I'm not saying we can't have fun. We can definitely have fun, but not at the cost of Jesus. Not to where now we're all of a sudden neglecting him. If you want to pursue your dream, I guarantee you Jesus will not give you a dream to pursue that causes you to spend less time with him on account of your dream. You know? You know? And so it's important that we make Jesus. You're one, you're all, you're it. And once I focus on that, everything else is gonna come together. We have to have a firm foundation on this. And we have to worship him with confidence. Did you know that every part of who you are designed, every part of you, the way that you were designed, you were designed to obey. You were designed to worship. Sometimes I, you look at people and they're going through certain things, whether it be physically or not, and it's because they're actually operating in something outside of the initial created intent of their bodies, you know? It's like, it's like me trying to use a Tonka truck as roller skates. It doesn't work, you know? It's like me trying to use skis when there's no snow outside and I'm just going down asphalt. Like it's not working properly. I'm not getting something right. And so we have to realize Jesus, this, cause it all starts with identity. It all starts with identity. We have to know who we are. We have to know who he created us to be, how he created us to operate. And when we understand that, then we walk it out and it actually begins to make sense to us. It may not make sense at first, but it's the renewal of the mind. It's the transforming of the way we think, of the way we act, of the way we treat people. And then all of a sudden, it begins to make sense. And you'll realize, man, like, I, I noticed, because let's just start with eating. People, they'll eat a certain way for a long time. And they're like, man, I'm just like, I'm feeling like garbage. And then they start changing. Just start one thing. They'll start with one thing. And they'll change their eating. And then what, what do they say to you two weeks later if they've been consistent? They're like, man, I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> it's because maybe you shouldn't have been packing on as much carbs and sugars and should have been packing on a little bit more vitamins, minerals, and all that kind of stuff. I'm still getting eaten healthy down, so like, bear with me here. I'm gonna go and get lunch after this and be like, oh, man, like, I need to be better, I need to be better. But you feel better though because you eat better. And so it's recognizing, okay, God, you created me to speak life. So when I'm speaking death, I'm actually walking my body backwards. Because I have news for you, however old you are, it doesn't come with getting old. I do understand that there's a thing called aging <laughs> and there's, there's, there's things that may physically not be as easy as they used to be. But I do believe that God has equipped us with the tools so when we're actually getting older, we're actually getting younger. I feel like some of y'all just need to receive that. It's understanding I'm made in his image. That's where it all comes from. Because we're the only thing in Genesis 1, after God creates everything, God creates it and says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He creates you and he says, it is very good. Because we're the only thing in all of creation that is created in his likeness, in his image. And so Jesus lays down the framework for what a man in his image looks like and how they're to operate. Because before that we had the law and the law was a written down document to show mankind, this is what's expected of you. But we didn't know how to walk it out. We couldn't do it in our own strength because it was perfect and we're not perfect. But then Jesus came not to get rid of the law, but he came to fulfill it. Jesus came and he said, the law can be summed up into two things. What are they? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you fulfill these two, you've fulfilled all 130. And so Jesus showed us actually how to live that out, how to walk the way that we were created to walk. But how can we know how to truly walk if we don't spend time with the one who did it? So many times, like Jesus is the last person you should ever tell, like Jesus, you don't know what it's like. I'm like, are you serious? You don't know what it's like. Like, Jesus lived under a tyrannical Roman rule. First of all, we live in a free country, so we don't know what that's like. <laughs> and Jesus was persecuted pretty much every day for his obedience because he said, I only say what I hear my father say and I only do what I see my father do. So out of strict obedience, he's constantly being badgered by the Pharisees and Sadducees. How many of us have been absolutely shredded based on every decision that we've made? No, we haven't. (laughs) We've been badgered by maybe one or two decisions and then we felt awful and then we go to God like, was that you? You know, and these kinds of things. But Jesus knows what it's like. And that's why looking at Jesus is so important because he is the fulfillment of the law. He shows us how to please God. He shows us how to walk and live a life that is worthy of the call. And so, this is something, yeah. Don't let the devil keep you seeking God through shame that tries to masquerade itself through false humility. Because sometimes that'll keep us away from wanting to press into Jesus more. It's because we're pushed back by shame, but in our eyes, we're being humble. And what I mean by that is, have you ever, have you ever talked to somebody and it's like, man, like God is moving and he's flowing through you. And that person's like, ah, oh, I'm just a sinner and he saved me. That's all I am. You're more than that. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you gave Jesus everything, how many of us in here gave Jesus everything? How many of us in here have said, Jesus, you're my all, I give everything to you. If you made that decision, you are not a sinner. You are a saint. You are a son and a daughter. Because you see, the... the, Many times we think that there's actually a level of being humble to calling ourselves sinners saved by grace and these things and, and these Christian sayings, and they sound good. They really do. But when you really get down to the, to, to the meat of it, that's not what Jesus says about me. I don't see Jesus anywhere saying, you're a sinner. <laughs> like he didn't go up to Peter and he was like, Peter, you're, you're a sinner. But my grace is going to save you. No, Jesus goes up to Peter and he says, Peter, the rock on which I will build my church. He looks at John the beloved. He looks at Thomas. And he said, blessed are those who have believed and have not yet seen. Jesus isn't walking around telling people, you're just a sinner that I'm gonna save. Like Jesus is saying, while you're dead in your sin, I'm gonna come and give my life for you and enable you to be adopted into the family, to know my father because for thousands of years you haven't so it's all about reconnecting us with a father but it starts with identity it starts with me walking as a son because this is what the orphan looks like the orphan looks like Jesus and he's walking down the road and his disciples are with him and his disciples are fighting over each other and they're like who's the greatest and the disciples are like I'm the greatest no shut up I'm the greatest you know like Peter's like guys clearly I'm the greatest I walked on water and John's just, he's not even in the conversation. He's just off over here, just stargazing at Jesus, you know? And then Mar- you know, everybody else, they're just like all throwing elbows. I'm the greatest, man. But then Jesus has this question and he asks them and he says to them, he says, who do men say that I am? And they all go through and they're like, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say this, some say that. They're, they're saying all kinds of stuff. And then Jesus looks back at him and says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, fantastic job. That was not revealed. That that was not you in your own mind that made that up. You know, because I'm sure Peter was probably like, yo. You know, he probably said it and then was kind of like, oh. But then he like played it off cool so the disciples wouldn't be like. You know, and so Jesus looks at him and he says, You didn't come up with that yourself. That was revealed to you by my father in heaven. So an orphan is one that walks around and says, Man, I'm the greatest. I'm the great man, showed up. Like I'm Jesus' right-hand man. Anytime Jesus wants to go pray, he asks for me. But no, Jesus is saying, Whoever wants to be the greatest, be the lowest. Jesus is saying, this is how you lead as you serve. This is how you gain as you give. And so he's forming and shaping the way that we see the world. He formed and shaped the way Peter saw the world. Peter saw the world one way, but then I see Jesus, or I see Peter one way in John three, and then I see him a totally different way in Acts two. Why? Because Peter grew in his value for Jesus. At first, Peter, I feel like was seeking Jesus out of a "what, what can He do for me" type thing. You know, because Peter was like, "I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. I'll never do it." Turns around to Jesus and he's like giving him great advice, and Jesus calls him Satan. You know, like all this kind of stuff. Where Peter's like, "I got you, man." Like Peter's trying to be like Jesus' bodyguard, but then Jesus, the time comes where Peter snaps. And he looks at Jesus after the the rooster crowed. He denied him three times. And he looked into the eyes of the one that he said, I'll never deny you. And so it's important for us to know that when we're spending time with Jesus, we don't come out in public and say, man, Jesus, I'll always do this for you. I'll always do this for you. It's important that we live it in secret so it's real to us in public. It has to be a lifestyle back there before it can ever be a lifestyle up here. And there's sometimes, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I'm gonna be completely honest, there's some Sundays that I come out and we lead worship and we do it. And as soon as we finish the set, I step off stage and I'm like, Jesus, I need to spend more time with you. Because I'm not basing it based on your response to the worship. Because if I did that, then I would need your worship to keep me feeling good about myself. But I can't do that because that'll kill me. Instead, it's coming up and you just know. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about where you step into something and, and you just know in your heart, you're like, I'm missing it to a certain degree. And I just need more of Jesus. And there were some days that like, I would come in and we'd lead worship and on the outside, it may seem like, man, that's the best worship set ever. But then I'll walk off and I'll be like, Jesus, I just, I, I, I need more of you because I, I feel like I incorporated you into that set. You know, And so it's just checking our hearts. I'm not saying walking on eggshells, but I'm saying being intentional to watch the process of your heart and not allowing yourself to get comfortable with saying something. But then when the time comes and pressure's applied, you say the opposite of what you were going to say. Peter said, I'd never deny you. And then he was asked and he said, I don't know that man. I'm sure in the moment, Peter's probably not even thinking. But what was in him was coming out. What was in him was coming out. And this same Peter is the first one to preach a gospel message after Holy Spirit falls on the people. So that just shows you what happens when shame and guilt doesn't have authority in one person's life. Peter disappeared. You don't see him anywhere until John gets him or Mary comes and gets Peter and John to go to the tomb. That's the next time, the very next time you see Peter. And they run to the tomb and everything. And then he sees Jesus and Jesus appears many more times. And then, you know, like we talked about last time when they're sitting down at the fireplace after they've been fishing all night. And then Jesus has made breakfast for them. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, and then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, then feed my sheep. I think the important thing that we see here is that Peter discovered how to be a Bethany. What do I mean by that? Bethany was a town near Jerusalem at the foot of the Mount of Olives where Lazarus lived in the New Testament along with his sisters, both Mary and Martha. And that's where Jesus stayed during the holy week before his crucifixion. So Jesus pinpoints this one place and he intentionally goes there to rest. And so I think about, you know, because like I, I would be reading through John and I would just see Bethany would show up every so often. And I'm just thinking to myself, why is, why is Bethany just all of a sudden stepping out? You know, like why is, the, why is Jesus going to this place? It's because he's going there to rest. He was going there to and, and I think it's neat that it happened the week leading up to his crucifixion. You know, that I can imagine what's going through his mind. Jesus has been on the earth 33 years and he's in his last week. And Jesus knows this is coming, but he chooses to go and to rest in Bethany. And I'm just thinking, man, Jesus, if you would be willing to go there at the most intense of times on your earthly ministry here on earth, when your mind is constantly on what the Father is about to have you do and the cup that is being brought before you and you have a decision to make, are you gonna take the cup? Are you gonna deny the cup? What are you gonna do? Jesus had these thoughts because Jesus humbled himself unto a man and he was, in, he was tempted in, at all points as you and I are. So if Jesus had the opportunity to go to the cross, say you had the opportunity to go to the cross, would you be thinking in your mind, man, I could walk away right now. I could turn around and it would never happen. And I'd still be here. I'd be able to live a long life here on earth. I imagine Jesus had those same thoughts. But The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because of the joy that was set before Jesus. But why did he go to Bethany to rest? Because that's where his friends were. He had Mary, he had Martha, Lazarus. What was it Simon the leper was there as well? And something beautiful happens in Bethany that I want us to look at and it's in John chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to John 12. And I'm just going to start to bring it to a close. But in John chapter 12, I'm just going to start reading from verse 1. Well, verse 1 through 8. And it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with with him at table. In verse three, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. So Mary comes in here and she breaks her alabaster jar And this is, you know, one of the most memorable portions of scripture, is that she comes and she breaks her alabaster jar over his feet and she uses, she uses everything that she has to honor him, to love him. But I like the part when it said that the fragrance filled the house. It filled the house. If you're walking into a house and somebody's cooking, it fills the house. If you walk into a house and someone, maybe your sister is doing a face mask, it fills the house. (laughs) What would happen if you were so intentional with your time with the Lord that when people walked in your house, they could actually smell the sweetness of his presence? Some homes in other cultures, you walk into their homes and they literally, they take their shoes off before they even go in because it's a sacred place to them. When we were in India and we were going to this church, every church we went into, they didn't wear shoes in their churches. So you would dress up all nice and you put on, you know, it really stinks if your shoes are your fashion statement because you don't even get to wear them. And so you literally like, you walk up there and you just see shoes scattered all across the front porch of the church, just a small little shack there was one church, it was a chicken. It was literally a little chicken house. It wasn't, it wasn't I couldn't even stand up straight in it. And I'm not tall. <laughs> I'm not really short. It won't be that harsh. I'm short. But, but they took off their shoes because they realized the presence of the Lord is here. This is a place for Jesus. And so what would happen if we as believers, if we as lovers of Jesus would take our homes, our places, and we committed them fully to Jesus? I'm not saying you have to spend 24 hours a day with Jesus. I am saying that you have to live 24 hours a day with Jesus. Because some of us, Jesus doesn't want you to be in your prayer closet 24 hours a day. Jesus is saying, take what you have to the world. But we have to spend time with him. But don't try to incorporate him into it. I guarantee you, the first thing that you should cut out of your schedule should not be, well, I have time with Jesus, so we're going to crunch that down to 30 minutes instead of 45, and then we'll have more room to take a shower and do this kind of stuff. No, I don't care if you have to get up earlier. You spend time with Jesus. Jesus called his four closest disciples to go and pray with him. And he said, stay up and pray, keep watch. And they fall asleep. <laughs> Jesus didn't tolerate that. Jesus came over and he said, hey, he's like, could you not wait with me for one hour? One hour? He said, come and stay up and pray with me. And so I'm sure like the disciples were probably like knocking sure. I was like, why don't you keep me awake? Why? You were the one who was supposed to be watching. We were gonna pray, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But no, Jesus just comes over and he says, there's no excuse to miss out with time with me. Especially in that point, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, Jesus is like every minute that you spend from this point forward is so important. And it's important for us to realize, yes, we're Christians, yes, we live in America, yes, we get to come to church every Sunday, but we have a responsibility to spend time with the one that we say that we love so that when we come in here on a Sunday morning, we're ready to give him everything that we have. It's impossible to be able to honor him publicly if you haven't done so privately. People will see it, and even if you're a good actor, they won't be able to, there won't be a change in the atmosphere. There won't be a change in the atmosphere. And so it's important. We have to fix our hearts on him. We have to love him intentionally when we're in the secret place. That's what true honor looks like, is taking time to be like, I see you and I'm coming before you and I'm not gonna turn on, I'm not gonna try and role play. There's even a scripture in the word and it says, find a secret place, a place where you're not tempted to role play before the Lord. Place where you're not going to come before him and try to impress him with your uh, with your eloquent speech. Not a place where you can come in and impress him with flags or all this other kind of stuff. You know, it's like now that you come in and he sees your heart and he says, "You're here for me and just me." And you're like, "Yes, I am." Let's talk. Let's commune. Let's get to know each other. Let's spend time together. And I'm not saying this because I've nailed it. I've missed it quite a bit. But I'm saying this as a challenge to all of us, that when we get into the presence of God, when we seek Jesus, when we get like Mary of Bethany and we sit before his feet, he will make us a Bethany. He will make us a resting place for Jesus. So where Jesus comes and he lays. I'm, when you go and rest in a place, we're not saying Jesus walks in and is like, "It's is cool. This is nice. I like what you do with the trim. I like the doors. The windows are stained glass windows. I love stained glass windows. No, like Jesus comes in. He kicks off his shoes. He puts on something comfortable. He lays down on the couch and he chills. That's what resting looks like. So I just want us to close our eyes and just center your hearts on Jesus. Because I just want to ask you one question. And it's if you're here this morning and I want you to look at your heart. I want you just to look at your heart and as you're looking at your heart, I want you to ask yourself, is this a place where Jesus can come and rest? Or is this a place where Jesus is only able to come in for a few minutes? Or is this a place where he can live? And I wanna challenge you this morning that if you see things in your heart and this is where the work of the Holy Spirit is very important that he points out to you things and shows you things and saying, hey, this is something that you could do a lot less time doing and instead you could get to know Jesus a lot better here. Or hey, this is something over here if we just tweak this a little bit. Because once again, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So let Him come in and remodel the room however He wants. It's His house. But I just want to ask if you're here and you're looking at your heart and you see that you have not given Him room to rest and you've not given Him room to recline and be there for a long time. And I want to pray for you this morning and I want us to surrender all that we are back to him. I want us to give him full and complete access of our hearts. That we don't have a cot laid out for him. We have a king-sized bed laid out for him. We say, Jesus, this is yours. And so if you're here, we're gonna pray. And I just want everyone to repeat after me. But as we're praying, I want you to make the decision in your heart that you are going to put Jesus first place, first priority. He's only He's the only thing that matters. We don't just sing about it because it's a cool four-chord song that sounds nice from an artist that we really like to listen to. We sing it because it's the truth. So everyone just repeat after me and say King Jesus. King Jesus. No, say it like you believe it. Say King Jesus. King Jesus. I believe that you are the Son in whom God has sent. I give you full access to my heart. I don't want you to just come. I want you to live. I surrender all that I am. I give you all that I have because I want all of you I want all that you have laid up for me. Holy Spirit, make me like Jesus. And just receive it. Just receive it. Just thank Him for it. Just thank Him for touching your heart. Invite Him to touch your heart. Invite Holy Spirit to come and to shape the way that you think, the way that you act. Because when he comes in, it will enable you to honor him truly. So just let him come, let him move. And last thing I wanna say is when Jesus comes and he shapes our hearts the way that he wants it to be, you'll know that something's happened because all of a sudden you'll look at situations in real life and you'll you'll be moved to action in ways that you weren't before. When you get his heart, you are compelled to do something. You are compelled to step into a situation and bring God into the situation. That's what Jesus did. He was the first person to do it. He blazed a trail of normality in the heaven, in in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And he said, nah, this is what heaven is like. We're gonna come in here and instead of looking at a leper, looking at someone who's a leper and saying, man, that really stinks, instead, we're gonna heal them and they're gonna get healed every time. We're gonna pray for this person over here and they're gonna get delivered every time. We're just gonna tell a small dude in a tree that I'm having dinner with him and he's gonna lose it. And he's gonna surrender everything. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus. This is the gospel. The gospel is getting something that you didn't deserve but walking as a son and a daughter, saying, Lord, I saw Jesus do it, so I wanna see Jesus do it in me. So Lord, do it in my city, do it in my high school, do it in my university, do it in my job, do it in my home, do it in my kids. Confess it over your kids. Going back to the very first thing I said, we say it over and over and over and over and over because instead of looking at your kids and being like, man, they're like, a chore you instead you look at them and i remember what uh, what mama carla said back at vision 20 she had talked about she would look at her kids and her kids names in her phone are literally prophet preacher evangelist so when they call her up she says what's up evangelist she's like what's up prophet because she's speaking it into existence and so we look how jesus lived we look how jesus spoke and we take it upon ourselves to speak like jesus did And you'll begin to see it happen in your own lives. Do you believe that this morning? Praise God. Well, let's all stand together. Thanks for listening to the Vision Church podcast. Hey, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow up with our messages from week to week at visionnwa.com forward slash messages. And if you would like to support this ministry financially with what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas and around the world, be sure to support us online at visionnwa.com forward slash give.